0: It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host,
1: Bert Martinez.
0: Okay, all this has to be edited. All this dead air has to be edited out. So, testing one, two, three, dead air. Hey, Norm.
1: Hey, Bert. Okay.
0: Sorry about that. They,
1: uh... You know, (laughs) shit happens. They, uh...
0: they, They got the... The, they scheduled the day, They scheduled it for not this
1: Tuesday, but next Tuesday. So it's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> next, oh, next warm, well, no, next Tuesday. Uh, let's see. No, no no, I don't no, have, no, no. We'll
0: just we're just gonna do it now. It was just uh, they just screwed up. They just it, it was meant for today. They just screwed it up. So no big deal. Yeah, either. well, they we'll had it. it for
1: ten o'clock. That was my problem. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. Here
0: let's we go. See. All right. Stand by one second here.
1: Everybody's remote, so it's a little crazy, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. You ready? Sure. Tune in. Nope. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Here, Here we go. Three, two, one. It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with size portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right, welcome back, everybody. Good to have you here. I certainly want to take the time out to let you know how much we appreciate your help in just supporting the show. It's such a big deal to uh, get your support and... Uh, what do you call it, to uh, uh, be able to serve you guys. And with your help, we have been promoted to multiple, uh, what do you call it, platforms, the latest one being the uh, Pandora platform. So thank you so much for your help and your constant consideration. We appreciate every time you guys share the show. We appreciate all the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, topic uh, topic uh, suggestion, the guest suggestions, the feedback, all of the stuff makes the show about you guys, because really, that's what it's about. We want to serve you. We want to help you. We want to give you the content that you're most interested in, so thank you again for, for helping us out and making that a possibility. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with Norm uh, Blumenthal. Man, I'm just like... Totally out of it today. anyway, so Norm Blumenthal is joining us today on the show. Uh, Norm is one of our regular contributors. And Norm is also uh, uh, has been uh, recognized as being a super lawyer there in Southern California. He specifically works in the area of consumer and employer law. Uh, he represents he represents people like you and I. He represents the working class, the the working Joes out there. He was also recognized by America's Most Trusted Lawyers as one of America's Most Trusted Lawyers in the area of employment law and consumer rights. Norm Blumenthal, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Bert. Nice to be back. Um, It's good to be on the show, and we're getting close to the election now. We're uh, uh, two weeks away uh, from Election Day. And uh, everybody's got to either vote it or needs to vote and get out and, and vote early because we no one knows what the polls are going to look like. So you, really, the analysis is: I think um, we've talked about this before. Is um, you know, are you who are you going to be better off with as your president for the next four years? And uh, both both sides have track records, so it's it's there's nobody there that doesn't know what what. What's going to happen depending on who who is elected uh, this time? And we we've talked about this before. The this country is basically built on an adversary system. The um, Republicans represent management, um, as they're entitled to do, and the Democrats represent uh, the, the labor, represents the workers. And so if you're out there working or want to get a job or want to get ahead in the next four years, you really need to think about, do you want somebody that's representing management to be in charge or do you want somebody representing labor to be in charge? And there's a lot of things that are going to happen um, in the next four years uh, critical to the entire planet and to this country. Uh, Vice President Biden, uh, he's laid out a plan to build back better. And um, if you analyze that plan, there's jobs there for the, the people 16 years old to uh, 26 years old. And, and that's the focus uh, that I think we need to, to look at because those are the people entering the workforce that are not interested in, um, in going to college. They, they just right. want to go to work. I mean there's a group of people out there, especially in the in the rust belt and the oil patch, that are just they they don't you know they're just uh people that love school let's put it that right. way they they want to work with their hands they want to do things so who's going to create jobs uh in in those areas um, that will be uh beneficial to those people that want to work one one interesting uh job that I want to talk about because I used to be in the oil business myself many years ago. I spent 10 years in it, drilling uh, in, uh, in western Oklahoma for uh, deep natural gas. So I know something about the business. Um, and at that point in time, it was in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, it was a boom. Uh, uh, natural gas was $6.50 per 1,000 cubic feet. Today it's about $2. Um, but at that point in time, uh, kids were, were leaving high school. go work on on oil rigs because you can make even then uh 20 25 dollars an hour and and i'm sure today it's that or higher uh, that you can make but the jobs aren't out there because nobody's drilling because the price of oil is low so what jobs exist uh in the oil patch uh that can be created by a uh, democratic uh president and and congress let's let's look at that one thing uh Vice President Biden has talked about was closing uh old wells or shut in wells, as they're called. These are wells where the price of gas is um so low that or the price of oil is so low that it's not economical in these old fields to uh pump the oil or pump the or uh pump the gas out or to you know, right. crack the wells so so what they end up doing is is they shut the wells in. Unfortunately, the wells that are shut in, uh, they don't do a very good job. And there's uh, methane gas uh, leaking out of all these shut-in wells. Methane is anybody that knows something about climate change is is the worst possible uh, chemical you can put into the atmosphere. It's like 50 to 100 times more um, uh, lethal in terms of climate change than uh, just uh, CO2 itself. So how do we – here's here's the question for the day. How do we get these wells shut in without government spending a massive amount of money? That That's really um, what I want to talk about today because the answer is um, what we found in California uh, that worked for labor rights. Um, in California, in um, – the early 2000s, 2003, 2004, from the uh, uh, bubble, um, tech bubble burst, uh, California was broke. Right. And uh, we, we had no enforcement tools whereby um, the government had the money to pay to enforce labor laws. So on the management side, it was really open season on labor, you could have people work off the clock you could have people um um work extra hours work through meal breaks um you basically uh, you could shave uh, time off their records and there was no place to go cuz the just the infrastructure wasn't there and they couldn't afford it so in 2003 uh in California the, you know recognizing these facts that um they enacted what was called the Private Attorney General Act. Um, And because of the lack of adequate uh, financing for labor laws, uh, they needed some way to do it. So how do they leverage uh, the law um, without coming up with any money to enforce labor laws? And what the Private Attorney General Act did is it allowed for uh, people that were Injured, uh, called aggrieved employees, workers, to uh, hire an attorney to uh, bring an action against the violator. Um, and if the violator didn't um, fix the problem, they were, uh, were charged with um, uh, penalties, 75% of which went to the state and 25% of which went to the aggrieved employees. And this has worked really well in California. So what I'm proposing is, is as, as part of the uh, Biden plan, is to do the same thing with regard to shut-in wells. So basically, if you are a, um, uh, a, uh, basically a neighbor to a well that is not shut in properly, um, you can call an attorney who will work on a contingent basis. They'll give notice to the um, oil company that uh, is responsible for shutting in the well, that the well is leaking and methane gas is coming up. You have 30 days to fix it. If you don't fix it, then uh, you're taken to court and um, and the case is filed. The attorney will get the attorney's fees, Uh, the aggrieved um, uh, neighbor, will get uh, 25% of the um, penalty that's charged, and the uh, state will get 75%. And until it's fixed, the oil company is going to be uh, charged with these penalties every day. So, it, it, And just applying it across the country, you can only imagine how many wells are out there that are improperly uh, uh, capped and are leaking, no, thousands of them. And so this this is the concept where the law can come into play. No tax dollars are involved. attorneys uh, can can work for the uh, the neighbors to get the air cleaned and it can work not only for uh, uh, methane from oil and gas wells, it can work for methane from coal uh, mines too. the same concept. So it's out there and this is something that that the uh, Vice President Biden. Um, has on his plate if, if he's elected, and he'll put back to work a tremendous number of people um, in that regard. So that's that's one one thing he's talking about, you know, of many things that they want to do to get get America back to work. He wants to basically rebuild the uh, infrastructure of these roads, you know, in in Pennsylvania and Ohio that are just you can't drive on them anymore. And so it's, you know, you've got to get people back to work. This is also manual labor. He wants to bring in uh, manufacturing uh, of all our essential needs, all our, um, uh, everything that we need to, for both our defense, not just our defense industry anymore, but our medical defense industry, so that we have all all of this is built in America. So this is where we're headed.
0: You know what, what I like about that is we're putting the power in the individual hands to help with the environment with to help with ha- potentially hazardous uh situation. Uh, you know, we're all busy, but I like what you said. Hey, if you're next to a neighbor and you see that their wells are leaking and it's you know, and it's maybe not safe, it doesn't hurt to get a second opinion and make sure that it's done correctly because this is the thing that that Will, you'll see it on the news. It's a massive headline. And of course, the neighbor will say, well, you know what, I, I didn't know who to contact. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, we had, we had, what do you call it? We had contacted the company several times to let them know that it wasn't improperly contained and they never responded. Something so minor be, can become a, a another catastrophic wildfire if it's not managed correctly.
1: Well, and plus the environment itself from all this methane leaking is, is not going to be helpful. Yeah, once you get um, private citizens involved and there's an incentive for their involvement that, hey, I'm a neighbor, but, you know, there's a penalty out there if this uh, oil company doesn't uh, pay to fix their well. I mean, the the money for the repairs are all going to come from the oil companies. Right. So, uh, and, and the uh, penalty is going to come from the oil company. And the government won't won't have anything involved. But when you get private attorneys involved and there's incentive for legal fees and you get citizens involved and there's incentive for reporting uh, uh, this methane leak, it'll it'll spread across the country. This is what was done with labor laws in California, and it works. It is a, a paradigm or an example for how you can pass a law Without any funding that actually makes money for government and fixes a problem and incentivizes uh, citizens and their attorneys to get the job done. Absolutely. It's, it's,
0: I, I want to mention this real quick. Another example that came to mind is the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, TCPA, and allowed private citizens to either Uh, create their own, you know, to to follow the law, and and they had a remedy. And and these were people who were getting junk faxes. You know, at one point, if you had a fax machine, you were probably getting, every day you were getting slammed with these junk faxes, these unsolicited advertisements. And then, of course, it carried over to unsolicited phone calls. And because private citizens were empowered, it, it killed the unwanted unsolicited fax uh, industry that was just bombarding us with a bunch of unwanted junk and has also curtailed uh, the unsolicited telephone you know you, they always call you at dinner or something and they try to sell you something and hey and if you want that you can leave it alone but if you don't want that you there's 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 not only an, an opt-out number but then there's also some remedies because of the example you're giving you're, you're it's a law that the government enacted. It cost them no money. It put the power into the private citizens, and it's worked really, really well.
1: Yeah, and they're, they're, you know these are two good examples of, of how a good law can work uh, when you um, uh, incentivize private citizens and private attorneys uh, to get the job done because the court system is, is set up to get the job done. And when you're an oil company and you get a summons uh, to appear – from the court you know that uh, you're going to have to respond to that it's not like right. okay i'm i'm your i'm your neighbor hey you're, you're killing my cows you know you got to do something about it you know they go okay we'll put that in the circular file here and <laughs> sure, we'll get back to you later because not there's 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 nothing to to for them to worry about but when they get a summons from uh, the court uh, by an attorney based on a law that says that every day they don't fix the problem they're going to be fined, they're going to do something
0: because
1: because yeah. it, it, then all of a sudden uh, in in this adversary system, they may be an adversary, but if they don't act there's going to be penalties involved and it's right. really and, and worked you know well
0: it, it does work well, and this is the unfortunate thing look if companies behaved. Even even halfway, if they only behave fifty percent of the time, uh, it would it would greatly reduce the the uh, threat to the environment. It would greatly reduce lawyers uh, because these companies are behaving. But the reality is that a lot of these companies know better. They play the game. They know, okay, if I don't take care of this eaky, leaky oil well, or if I, or I don't take care of this this environmental violation, by the time they find out. Uh, we'll pay, you know, we'll pay a fine, it might be a couple hundred thousand dollars or even a couple million dollars, and to them it's no big deal until they're forced. And this happens all the time. People, people have to sometimes be held accountable before they do the right thing, and it's a shame, but it's human nature.
1: That's that's well, it's not just corporate nature. You know, I'm looking if I'm in charge of a corporation, I'm looking at my budget. And uh, my uh, oil people tell me or gas people tell me, hey, we've got some leaky wells and it's going to cost us $5 million to to plug them uh, correctly. Or we could just let it go for another year and uh, we have $5 million more now in profit because we didn't have to spend it there. We're going to make the profit because there's no downside to it because that's just what business is all about is making a profit. So you have to have something in the law uh, that's enforceable. And if you just say, okay, we're going to have a law that you're going to get a fine if you don't uh, plug your wells correctly, and the government's going to enforce it, government doesn't have the ability or the funds to enforce it. So in the budget, it's not going to be in the budget to hire anybody to enforce the laws. And, you know, that's that's our problem because we don't have we may have some good laws in the book, but we don't have enforcement because we don't incentivize private citizens and private attorneys and private citizens and private attorneys. It's proven in California under the Private Attorney General Act for labor that it works. I mean, California is the fifth largest economy in the world. Um, People are, are getting paid. Higher minimum wages than, than virtually every other state, and we are doing all of this and are successful because companies know that when they do business in California, they got to comply with the labor laws. And yeah. so, so we built this system where there's compliance. It doesn't exist that way in in other states. It just it isn't there. And so there's a lot less compliance. People are working overtime and off the clock. They, you know, the minimum wage in 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 most in 21 of the of the states is seven dollars and 25 cents. That's fifteen thousand dollars a year. No one can live on that. To, to no, you can't even with.
0: pay rent with that.
1: No, you can't. And you, and it's a shame. Uh, And it should be 15, uh, you know, we should get to $15 across the country and the country will boom because of that, because it puts money into the hands of labor. It's the same concept. That's the kind of law you can pass that without any enforcement on the government side, because it can be enforced state by state, people are not going to violate the minimum wage laws. It's just not going to happen. But, you can't get it done when you have Republican pro-management uh, politicians in office. And so that's where everybody's income is affected one way or the other because if you raise the minimum wage to $15, a rising tide floats all ships, the, the wage for everybody else will go up, and pretty soon $25 an hour, 50 you know. Uh, at that point in time, or thirty dollars an hour that's um basically sixty thousand a year that's the kind of wage that someone can 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 live on and so right
0: and you know something that you pointed out time and time again the, the velocity of money look if you have if you put the money in the hands of these consumers, these workers, they'll go out there and they buy more stuff the they you know if they have enough money, they'll buy a house and of course. When you buy a house, you got to buy a refrigerator. You got to sometimes uh, upgrade the appliances. You got to buy new furniture. You know, it, it just goes on and on. It has this ripple effect. But even if they even if they stay as renters, they have more money that that they are going to spend on more consumable goods. They're going to spend on more entertainment, as opposed to, again, as you mentioned, you you put that money in the hands of a millionaire or a billionaire who already has one or two or three homes. Already has a nice fleet of cars. Their chances of them spending it are very little because they already have it all.
1: That's right, and that's that's the whole point is share the wealth, and that's been the philosophy of the Democratic Party since uh, since Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt. That's the idea, and and this concept that that uh, Trump comes up with about. Oh, Biden comes in, and we're, you know, gonna, this country is going to be socialist like Venezuela. That's insane. Nothing can be further from the truth. Let's try to clarify what socialism is, Bert, just, just for a minute. It's not going to take long, but they never talk about it on TV. Socialism is, the, is where the government owns all the businesses. It owns the the oil and gas companies. It owns the electrical company. It owns the water company. It owns uh, the the land where the food is grown. It owns everything, and everybody works for the government. That's socialism, and that's we are so far away from being a socialist country under anything that uh, Vice President Biden proposes or or exists today that it, it's it's. It almost is laughable when he says that. People should not believe that for a minute because we are – Biden is not proposing to take over any, any businesses. He, he's not proposing right. to take over the oil business or take over the electrical companies or, or take over the, uh, the hospitals. There's no takeover of anything. All, well, it, all we but, have in this country is basically Social Security, Medicare. Right. We, we have very little.
0: And here's the deal. Here's the other thing. Uh, if you know, again, whether whether you like Trump or don't like Trump, here's something that that is factual. When Trump cannot win an argument, when Trump feels as though he's losing an argument, he falls to calling names and using fear tactics. And and you see it over and over again. If he doesn't, if if, if he can't win an argument. He and he's good at this. He'll he'll give you a nickname like Sleepy Joe, and he makes fun of you. And, and we've seen we've seen our president make fun of veterans. We've seen our 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 president make fun of people who uh who were in POW camps. We've seen our our president make fun of handicapped people. And of course, we saw him make fun of all the other candidates during the last election. He makes it personal when he doesn't have an argument that he can win. And if and then he uses that with fear to try to get people in the example of hey we're going to go socialist if you don't if you don't vote for me. Nothing right. could be further from the truth and the sad and the sad fact is is that President Trump knows that, but he also knows that he can scare people, and that's what he's doing
1: yeah, but let's look you know he could do that in two thousand and sixteen because we didn't know, and you know some people had an idea, well, maybe he's not going to be as as radical right as as we thought, but turned out he was going to be he 's done nothing he's really he's, and things are worse because he he can 't handle a crisis as we know the covid crisis uh, You know, 200 plus thousand people have died, of which they say more than 80 percent were unnecessary if he would have taken steps right from the beginning. So he can't handle it. And the things he's promised, oh, there's going to be infrastructure bill and we're going to build America back and we're going to bring home manufacturing. None of those things happened. And they are not going to happen in the next four years if he's reelected. We're not going to do it because he doesn't know how to do it. He just doesn't know how government works. Everything to him is you're either with him or against him, and if you're against him, he's not going to deal with you. He can't do it. He's just not capable of it. He can't build America back. He can't do it. Biden has been there, done that, and he can do it. He's proven in the past. He can bring home manufacturing. He can build infrastructure. He can pass laws... uh, uh, like capping wells it will put people back with that want to work with their hands and get people right. back into manufacturing. There's a lot of things we can manufacture in this country. We don't need to import it if there is a government contract whereby the government says, okay, I'm going to buy all the, the um, ventilators you can make up to, to a certain amount, which makes your company viable, and then they can redistribute it. That's a way to do things to get it up and running as an American product. And so we need more of that. We, we are going to need all of that as you as we go into this transition into an all-electric uh, um, eco- economy. We have to get rid of fossil fuels or this, this country is going to burn up, unfortunately.
0: The, right, yeah. And, and here's the deal. Look, look. It's okay to be a Democrat. It's okay to be a Republican. The difference is this. You have to know how to work with people, and more importantly, people have to like you enough to want to work with them. So you look at somebody like a Ronald Reagan who was able to work both sides of the aisle, and one of the things that Ronald Reagan did, which, again, whether you're Republican or Democrat, one of the things that Ronald Reagan did all the time is he would say – he would have a public address, and he'd say, "Hey, I'm trying to achieve X. I am trying to do this thing, but it's you know it's not getting through uh, the the Congress. It's not getting through the Senate. Please reach out to your re- please reach out to your representatives, and let's make this happen." And that worked for him. He tried to work with both sides of the aisle. So did uh, what do you call it? George Bush Senior, George Bush Junior. Uh, obviously, Clinton did, Obama did. So to me. One of the differences between, I think, a good leader and, and a just a mediocre leader is a good leader is capable of working with both sides. There is some give and take. There is some compromise there. And people uh, said, you know, people liked working with Reagan. People liked working with Clinton. People liked working with, uh, you know, the Bushes and, and the Obamas because they were, they were trying to get things done. They didn't make it personal as opposed to what – as you mentioned, if, if, if you can't work under President Trump's uh, regime or under his rules, then you know, you're dead to him, and he's just going to ridicule you and try to get rid of you if he can. It's just his way or the highway, and, and that just doesn't work in government.
1: It doesn't. And, you know, to call people call a Fauci and, and, and the task force idiots is is crazy. I mean, this, this guy, has, he's had his screws are loose. I mean, he is he's not capable of being president because it all is loyalty to him, regardless of how stupid his his claims may be. I mean, the idea that, oh, I'm, I'm tired of the covid. Virus, we're all tired of it, but we right. don't, you know, not talking about it doesn't get rid of it. People are dying. And people are sick, and we, and we need to take care of them, and we need to take care of each other. And the president sets the tone. If his tone is it's a hoax and you don't need to wear a mask and you'll get over it, that's not going to set the tone for all, for all the medical problems that are, that are going to come out of this that could be avoided with simple things that people can do to protect themselves from catching the virus and spreading the virus. And so he won't talk in terms of humanity. It's all about him. And it, unfortunately, we have a dysfunctional president. And people, you know, I guess there's, there's some visceral enjoyment of being able to yell and scream along with the president. And the president, you know, uses uh, uh, foul language. Oh, that's great. You know, he's just one of the guys. But it's all a mess. I mean, look what happened out of Sturgis, 250,000 people, motorcycles and no mask. In a month, the entire now upper Midwest, who doesn't have a lot of people living up there uh, to start off with, South Dakota, North Dakota. It is the worst infection in in the country. And they can't handle it. Because why? Because of the president encouraging these kind of events instead of, discouraging them and telling people, stay home, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that, and talking to the mayor of Sturgis and saying, you know, pass for one year, you know, let it be. But this isn't happening. It's just he's working against the American people. He's causing more deaths. He's causing more hospitalizations. He's not a guy that's going to build America better. He's not going to build back America better. He's not going to build America at all. He's proven it. There is yeah. no infrastructure bill. There is nothing there. There is no ide- new ideas like the ones i'm I'm giving to just shut in wells. It doesn't cost government a dime. But you know hes what would he rather do? Listen to the to the people and or listen to the oil companies. Well, he's going to listen to the oil companies. That's just because that's where his loyalty is. So you know that's what we're facing. So so that we need to, you know, everybody needs to think about what they're voting for when they vote uh, this year. And we need to, to get a change. Uh, we need a new administration. We need a new focus. We need to, to it, it doesn't, we don't need it, uh, the TV show. It's like reruns now. We've seen this act before, and we really don't need to see it again. It's boring. You know, the 12th season of Apprentice. Was boring. It doesn't make it doesn't. It's not something you want to see. It's like watching a a train wreck over and over again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you definitely don't want to see that over and over and over again. Uh, You know, it's it's amazing to me. I I think that uh, one of the number one things that I hear from both Republicans and Democrats is that they are surprised. How unwilling President Trump Has been to unify the country he, Because it's his personality He likes polarization He likes that confrontational type of engagement That is what he built his business on That's how he, he likes to do business And that's great when you're a private business or investor Not so great when you are the President of the United States The President of the United States Again, when you look at some of the, some of your favorite presidents, they were they were very much about unifying the country. And you know Ronald Reagan, again, one of my favorite Republican presidents. He always talked about my Ameri- you know, the American people, and you know uh, my American people. And, and he never talked about hey, let's just focus on the Republicans because the Democrats aren't doing what I want them to do. He was very much about unifying the country. So was. Uh, Bush Jr. and Bush Senior, um, and of course, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's just something that all presidents have done after the election. Yeah. Let's unify, let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. Not and, President Trump.
1: And, and, no, he can't do it, and that's why he's gonna he's gonna go down, you know, uh, fighting on this on this uh, splitting the country up over wearing masks. I mean, this should be have been the easiest thing for him to say, you know point blank look everybody wear a mask and it would make a huge difference you know now he, he gives voice to the people that want to be antagonists right. you know by calling it a, a COVID it's a hoax 220,000 people are dead that's a hoax 8 million people have been infected that's a hoax and that's in less than a year this is way way worse than any flu we've ever seen and so it, th- this isn't a hoax. And for, for him to say that and, and have a, some idiot there, for, you know, he's not even an infectious disease doctor, saying, okay, we're just going to let everybody get sick. you know That doesn't yeah. change anything. That's the craziest thing you've ever said. People are going to get sick. But if you wear a mask, a lot less of them will as you go through the phases of this virus. This virus will wear itself out. Uh, over time just like it did in in um, in the influenza at the in last century it will over time but along the way how many people are going to die and get sick that's the point you want as few as possible how do you get as few as possible everybody wear masks and socially distance that's how you do it right if he would just get, get up on the stage and say that just think of all the lives that can be saved because he won't give voice to these people that want to be belligerent. Right. Well, that's, and, what, and that's what they are. Amazing. They're the belligerents.
0: Yeah, and, and what's amazing to me, truly amazing to me is I think most leaders would have said, hey, I'm not a doctor. I'm, I've, I've assigned this to be managed by, you know, Dr. Doctor so-and-so. Dr. Doctor so-and-so has years of experience, has years of... Of working with infectious diseases, this doctor is going to be the point man for how we handle the the virus and he would have done two things: he would have taken the burden off of him, the attention off him, which I know he doesn't like to do, but he could have taken he could have taken that responsibility off his shoulders, which is what a leader would have done, given it somebody who's a who is a trained professional in that area. And now, if the virus goes away or doesn't go away, at least he gave it to somebody to administer, and and he doesn't have to contend with the results. And if, and here's the great thing about it. If the virus doesn't go away, he, it's not his fault. If the virus does go away, he gets the credit. He, it would, it's a win-win, no-lose situation. But instead of doing that, he not only does he fight with the medical community, he fights with um, – the cdc he fights with you know anybody who who's a doctor who who would actually know better uh, than he would yeah.
1: he basically he's just giving voice to, to things that don't work and he's going to be a, he's a belligerent himself he wants to be belligerent that's how he likes it that's how he gets these crowds because they come to see him because the crowd wants voice for being rebels yeah. Oh, you know, it's this is we have, we've always had rebels in this country and there's contrarians and they want to be against the mainstream and boy, he gives them all voices but to give people voices where other people are going to die that you just can't do that. And you know, we're not over this yet. We got another year or so. This we got to let this guy go. I mean, just for that alone. You really can't vote for him because he's not 100%. I mean, he doesn't, he so is, is enamored with himself that when he got sick and got well, well, then fine, everybody else will get sick and get well. He had the best care in the in the world, <laughs> you know. He doesn't get, the, you know, I have a friend of mine's in the emergency room in Connecticut, and what they end up having, you know, is they have nothing. Go home and take Tylenol. Right. You know, this is when, unless you you know, you really can't breathe. But you know, they don't. There's just no room in these hospitals for anybody. And so, well,
0: and like you said, look, here's ultimately the difference. You and I go to the hospital. We're going to get whatever care is available at that time. The president goes into the hospital. Not only does he get uh, experimental treatment, he gets whatever whatever is known to be working. Uh, and, and he's got not one doctor, but he's got a whole slew of doctors working around the clock. He, literally, a wing of medical professionals to take care of the president, as it should be. So you cannot, you cannot, uh, com, you know, compare literally, you know, apples to oranges in this case because what what the president gets, none of us are going to even come close to that level of care. And, and, and again, that's the way it should be. So I think that. The president, again, kind of made a big uh, a big mistake. I think he was uh, not serving the public at large when, you know, he forced himself to come out of that hospital, which I predicted he would. His ego was on the line, and he forced himself to leave the hospital as soon as possible. He didn't care about who he infected. You saw him wear a mask for a short amount of time, and then he made the statement that, hey, it's not that big of a deal. We'll all get over it. Not true, Mr. President. Uh, not everybody has your mindset. Not everybody has your level of medical care. And, and it was just, again, a chance to unify the country, a chance to, uh, what do you call it, uh, put people at ease, turned into you know another moment for President Trump.
1: Yeah, really, what has he done in four years? I mean, if someone could tell me, there's more unemployment uh, now than there was when he started. The economy is, is a train wreck. Uh, right now for people that uh, work in the service industry. The, the other industries have recovered because they don't need people to come into uh, to the office, for, you know, the legal profession, the accounting profession, all these professionals, they've recovered, but the service industry is collapsed and it's not yeah. recovering at all. Look at airlines, look at, hospi- look at hotels, look at hospitality. They can't look at restaurants. They can't come back until this is over, and he's done nothing for them. And what has he done? You know, he was going to build a wall, and Mexico was going to pay for it. What is? You know, he's, he's built nothing. He was going to uh, have an infrastructure build. No, he's, he knows how to build. He's a builder. He's built nothing. He's going to bring manufacturing home. He's brought home nothing. He's a failure. And, and he's a denier, and his failure is all he comes back and, and blames it on somebody else and calls it a hoax. Right. Like, really, seriously, I just, if, if, I'm not a Republican, but if I were a Republican, I just see no reason why you'd ever want to vote for this guy. We just need a change and, and send him back wherever he's going to go. But, yeah, he needs to – we need to get him out of office. There's just, it's just – it's too crazy to have him there because God, God only knows what's going to happen in the next four years if he's, if he's still around. I mean, I'm really frightened to, to think what America will look like in four years, you know, we, with him still there.
0: Well, and look, and, and here it is. So, so if you're a Republican, and you don't have to take our word for it, there are, I believe, at least two different Republican groups out there who are uh, enthusiastically looking to vote President Trump out of the office. Uh, th- you know, that they are as tired of President Trump as most people are. And interestingly enough, I was on an airplane yesterday uh, as we landed into Phoenix Sky Harbor. Uh, the the airport was in lockdown mode, so we couldn't get out of the plane. We, we had to stay out in the tarmac because uh, President Trump was... Uh, Campaigning, so was uh, Vice President Biden. They were all here, but since uh, they were getting ready to take off in Air Force One, the uh, what do you call it? Uh, They locked down the 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 airport again, as they should for security reasons. But what was interesting here was, you know, there were so many people on their on the airplane that voiced their opinion, uh, their negative opinion about President Trump, and it wasn't like there was a massive, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, discord or, you know, one side, you know, one person said something negative and somebody would say something positive. It seemed like a lot, you know, that a lot of people and, and, uh, had, didn't have that many good things to say about our president. And, yeah. and it's just one of those things where I think that a lot of Republicans, as well as independents, as well as Democrats are saying, you know what, we, we can do better than this.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's not just discord between Americans he wants to sow, uh, all this white supremacy nonsense that he he spews. It's discord around the world that he wants to, to, this is just his M.O. I mean, discord with China, discord with uh, Europe, discord with our friends, and NATO, you know, just on and on and on. Everybody except for Russia, of course, uh, because they're his buddies, but everybody except for them, he just wants to... Make trouble. He's a troublemaker, yeah. and it just doesn't work. Right now, you know, in China, they're building uh, uh, coal-fired power plants at a rate that they now dwarf the rest of the world, you know, by, by tenfold. And somehow we need to convince uh, China to, to get off of uh, coal-fired plants and, uh, you know, work with solar and, and wind and at least natural gas in some some way or fashion. But we're not going to convince them if, if we're not friendly towards them. And we have to be, you know, friendly and, and, a, and a good neighbor for them. And they have to be a good neighbor for us. And the world has to get together because climate change is going to be unstoppable in four years unless it's turned around it's just just the way it goes and we know that, that Trump doesn't believe he thinks everything's a hoax. Of course, climate change is a hoax to him too. Yeah. Well,
0: uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it, we could spend a whole show on that hoax thing because he thought yeah. – uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, when when the state of New York came after him for for uh the uh, what do you call it, Trump University, uh that was a hoax that wasn't his fault when the state of New York came after him for um the uh, the cancer the cancer foundation or his nonprofit foundation that was uh that had basically uh misused the funds that they collected uh that was also a hoax and not his fault uh you know the 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 list goes on
1: right it's always yeah,
0: a hoax and or not his fault
1: right and then then things you know we don't need nato anymore you know I, I, this is I mean, this is the backbone, you know, we have, we have to have a, an alliance of uh, friendly democracies around the world. And the idea that we can rely on uh, authoritarian rule in, in other countries when we just really can't. So we have to be smarter around the world, too. And so in every category, if we were grading him, I think he, he's a failure because uh, I cannot think of I'm try to be objective Anything good that he's accomplished in his four years it,
0: and and the reason for that uh norm, is because you're not big business
1: <laughs> yeah
0: well, right,
1: and so I, that's that's true and if i guess if i if I was a, a a corporate executive, I could be happy because my labor costs are still real, real low, and my uh need to uh you know comply with environmental laws is non existent and uh i can put all my money uh, right to the bottom line and show a, a big profit i uh, my my taxes went down if i'm a corporation by uh, almost half and so this is this is where i guess the rubber meets the road but very few you know very few people are in that position and the idea that um you know you, you can't take your corporate profits with you you know, making the world a better place is something that uh, you should be thinking about. You want to leave to your children and grandchildren because uh, that's really what, what's going to make a big difference. Absolutely.
0: Norm, we're out of time. I want to thank you so much for stopping by. Everybody, please share this episode with everyone you know. Get out there and vote. Vote for who you ever, whoever you think is going to put more money in your pocket, whoever you think is going to be, uh, who's going to better serve this country. And as always, Norm, thank you so much for stopping by.
1: All right, Bert. Always a pleasure. Take care.
0: You bet. Good stuff there from Norm Blumenthal. If you want to reach out and uh, comment, great. Maybe we're completely wrong. Maybe President Trump is the best president in the world. Let us know. And you can reach out to BAMLawCA.com. As always, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people get out there and vote. Even if you're voting for, for President Trump again, let's make the system work. And the system works when everybody gets out there and boat. So let's do it. Let's make it happen. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at Money for